Welcome into episode 44 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Uh, Travis, how you doing today, man? I'm just doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Uh, David, what's going on? How are you? Well, man, I'm doing good. I'm I'm in between pool parties at uh, Lake of the Ozarks right now. Got a little <laughs> headache and cough, but outside well, of that, I'm doing all right. You running on a hangover? You got to drink to drink again to cure that hangover? Well, it's crowded <laughs> out here, man. I've just got to wait forever to get one. <laughs> Well, uh, I appreciate you both uh, joining me again. Uh, Today we have a lot going on. We'll start the show talking about Kentucky's recent run of virtual visits and how those went. Uh, Musa Cisse, he announced his reclass decision today. We'll talk about that. Johnny Juzang got his waiver to play at UCLA this year. We'll talk about what that means for Olivier Saar, if it does mean anything, and his quest for, for getting immediately eligible. And then we'll close out by talking about Dante Allen's workout footage. His trainer sent me sent me two minutes worth of footage that that came out i want to ask you guys your thoughts on that and then finally we'll close out the show completely being joined by one of the top prospects in the class of 2022 Jaden bradley really good interview we had a lot of fun talking to him so uh, we're looking forward to it it's gonna be a good show First up, uh, Kentucky hosted 2022 top 10 prospect Brandon Huntley Hatfield on a virtual visit last Thursday. Kentucky followed it up with another virtual visit um, with with 2021 five-star point guard Kennedy Chandler. Uh, we'll talk about Brandon Huntley Hatfield's visit first. I talked to his mother after after the visit, uh, you know, for a solid 20 minutes or so about how things went. She gave me great feedback. They loved it as a whole. But here's some of the key takeaways I had. One. She was not shy at all talking about a reclass decision with with Brandon. Uh, I know we've talked about it a whole bunch on the show in the past, but she said um, they're going to make a decision once competition starts back up, whether that be AAUs or high school this winter. She said that they're basically going to, you know, that this summer was going to be huge for him because they were going to use the AAU season to see how how things are going with him physically. If he did dominate, she kind of hinted that they were going to make that official jump to 2021 uh, to close out the summer, but now that AAUs are kind of up in the air, the exact word she used was AAUs are a wash at this point. So, you know, at this point, they're going to wait until the next time they can they can ramp up uh, competition and then see how things go there. What are some kind of quick takeaways that you had from the from the reclass talk? And, and did, you know, Travis, after seeing that interview, did, did you, your mind change at all about your confidence level in, in Kentucky potentially getting him in 2021 as opposed to uh, 2022? Well, it's interesting because I talked to him, uh, Brandon himself, uh, two to three weeks ago, and <clears throat> I got mixed responses out of his camp. He told me that a decision to stay in 2022 was, quote, final. And then his mom said afterwards, I was messaging his mom a little bit too. She was like, no, nothing's final, blah, blah, blah. So kind of, kind of mixed results there. I think everybody expects him to be 2021 whenever it's all said and done. And then – uh, some I talked to Brandon after the virtual visit the other day, and he had some interesting things to say about Kentucky. Uh, said that UK really believes in him, thinks that he can be a really elite basketball player one day and make a lot of money playing basketball. Um, Kentucky uh, views him as a player that can do a little bit of everything at 6'10". Uh, by the way, I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if you said that yet, but his new measurables are awesome. If oh, yeah. I'll let you uh, get to that in a minute. But they said that uh, 
they like what he can bring with the size that he can uh, bring his size, defend, rebound, score, and assist. And said that uh, Kentucky was talking uh, with his mom a lot on the visit, like you said. Uh, they also thought, uh, <clears throat> asking him what, what he thought about his game and what he needed to prove on. Uh, Bobby Mays was on the call, and UK staff was asking him what he envisioned for Brandon next level. And yeah, I think it. I think it's. I think it, it's all going to come down to him transferring to 2021, barring something unforeseen. Yeah, I mean, you you brought it up. Um, her, his mother said that he'd just gotten gotten measured in, in the last couple of weeks, and he's up to David six foot ten, two hundred and thirty pounds. I believe his last uh, official measurement was like six eight, two oh eight. I believe. So we're talking about a two inch growth, and you know, twenty plus pounds of growth. David, what does that mean to you for you know, kind of the your your outlook of him as a player moving forward and what he can do at the next level? What do you, what do you what is he is a player now by the way i'm reading the article and, and whoever wrote it really did a really good job you wouldn't you wouldn't know who did it would you man that, you know i yeah i don't know who it is probably some some slum over at ksr but um whoever it he's is he's underpaid who, whoever it is he's <laughs> underpaid um i um I, I think it means the world because to me you know he was a post all along he, i I, I didn't think he was one of those guys that really kind of reinvented himself. You know, I saw uh, not necessarily a center, but I guess when I've kind of looked at his body uh, just at a young age, and, and, and this is in no way a comparison um, of uh, the adult that I'm going to talk about, but you kind of look at Huntley Hatfield and think ahead a few years. Uh, for whatever reason, Jamal Mashburn's body just kind of came into my mind a little bit. Yeah. And I may be way off, but just, just for me, but, um, so it's, it's huge him being able to play that position. You're talking about a six ten guy to six eight guy. He's still young. So who knows, man, he could get go another inch or two. And, uh, obviously, uh, Kentucky is going to love to have a guy that that's that size. So, uh, you know, the more he can grow, the better. Travis, I know, I know Kentucky, they're, you know, number one target arguably in, in all of 2021, regardless of, of position, is Paolo Bancaro. And, you know, how with with his size now, they're almost identical in terms of, of height and weight. Where do you think that that kind of, you know, that dynamic changes with, with those two being comparable sizes? Do you think Paolo is, you know, say in this hypothetical that UK does end up getting both, you know, where do you think they work together? You know, would you put Paolo at the five, Brandon at the four, you know, with his versatility? How, how would you, if you were the head coach, how would you, uh, you address that? I'm not as big on uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield as I am Paolo. I still really like Brandon Huntley Hatfield a lot, but Paolo, you put him at the one, two, three, four, five, get him on the damn floor. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you put him. Um, but I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They're, they were asking if this meant that UK didn't feel as confident with Paolo. I said no, and they're like, "Well, w- what about taking both? Don't you think that if uh, we get Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson back, that's what I was being asked?" And I said, "You can't ever depend on anybody to come back at Kentucky." Yeah. So it's a great point. I think that I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield could be a fantastic six man as a freshman could play the five if he keeps growing if he's as as uh, girthy as his mom says he is now and um, 
one thing that if he's going to play the five, he would have to improve his toughness a lot. But if you have him and Paulo at the four and five, <sighs> let's say that that's the scenario that worked out. Scenario. Sorry, there I go again. <laughs> you did it that's again. The that, uh, that worked out. You have two guys that can stretch the floor and one of the most skilled front courts that Kentucky has ever had under Cal Perry. Yeah, I mean that's that that, that one two punch down low. I mean, you you see Brandon Huntley Hatfield. You know he he floats a little bit too much on the perimeter. Um, you know I saw him up at up at Hoop Hall and I was like, man, look how big you are. Get down low, work against you know fight. You know throw throw some elbows. Go go get physical. So I think that's one thing that UK would definitely have to. You coaching him up on the sideline. I did. You know here I am with my press pass on. Actually, I didn't even get credentialed at Hoop Hall, so that that sucked. But here I am being the the a random random fan in the stands telling him to throw some elbows. Yeah, that's exactly what he needs to hear. <laughs> but yeah, that, that one-two punch would be just absolutely nasty and I'll, and what UK is in, is envisioning for sure. I want to ask uh, you all, David, first, who do you think is a good um, skill set comparison for Brandon Huntley Hatfield? Are you going with Alex Porthris? Me personally, I've, I've heard Billy Preston yeah. used to uh, commit to Kansas. Uh, played for Oak Hill Academy. He was a top fifteen player at one point a few years ago. I, I like that comparison a lot. What do you What do you guys think, David? Uh, I'd have to see more of him. Uh, and I'll I'll be honest. I kind of watch more of the twenty twenty guys, and now start to watch the twenty twenty one. And I, I don't watch you know the underclassmen quite as much. And that's one thing I need to do is is. We'll start getting an idea more on him and watching more. I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, I've I've liked the Alex Poythers comparison a lot. You know, just kind of that pure athleticism, pure strength, not knowing what to do with it quite yet, just kind of finding his game. Uh, Alex Poythers never kind of reached that potential that we that UK fans kind of saw out of him. Um, but I think the UK staff is kind of seeing that same mold where they can think, okay, well – we know what we had to do with with Alex Poythers. His career didn't go 100% as planned, but you know we could kind of you know mold him in that same way, try to you know develop his game a little bit better. But I do like that Alex Poythers comparison, and and that was one of the things I talked with his mom about was he's actually not necessarily Alex Poythers's cousin. I think it, it's Alex's grandmother's grandson or grand. Uh, godson so that's the connection they call each other cousins they hang out but he she did say that they're close he's been playing overseas and, and he just got back recently so they hadn't been able to hang out together but he said that they're she said that they're really close talk all the time they're in a group group chat together uh, he's talked to him about Kentucky a whole bunch and, and and all that good stuff so yeah they they have a good relationship that's what I like I like that uh um, that comparison as well I'm talking about school specifically Huntley Hatfield's mom talked about UK extensively, stressed over and over again that UK was his dream school, uh, talked to me about the Alex Poythers connection. The only other schools that she mentioned by name, I believe, were Ole Miss, Baylor, and Tennessee. And speaking of Tennessee, David, I want to ask you this because this is something we addressed, and I believe, Travis, you as well, that we addressed in, in a couple podcasts ago, the Bobby Mays connection. UK had Bobby Mays Brandon's AAU coach, UK had Bobby Mays on to talk to him about, you know, how things are going, where he sees him and moving forward, all that good stuff. But asked specifically about 
his Tennessee connection and whether that would be something that they would have to address moving forward. David, I know we've said we've talked behind the scenes a lot in the past about about that that Bobby May's connection and his his connection to Tennessee and how you know the people close to UK said that was the one barrier that UK would would have to hurdle if you know in order to get Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Does that change anything to you at all that UK had him on the call and and you know kind of talk things out a little bit? I think it's fascinating. <laughs> so I mean, so it no. really is. <laughs> you know, in, in reading that, um, I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Uh, that you, you know, you think you've got an AAU coach or a high school coach that may be uh, uh, pu- pushing to another school, fair or unfair, and just have him. Of course, now that you can't come along, uh, and 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 t- you're not taking an official visit. But I just think it's fascinating that you get them on the phone and say, hey, where do you stand in all this? And I think it's something that that you really need to do. Uh, You need to know the lay of the land if you're Kentucky. Uh, To me, it doesn't change anything because, I mean, what are you supposed to say? What do you, I mean, if if, if Kentucky asked me that, I mean, you know, and and all being realistic, what am I going to say? No, no, I'm, you know, I'm pushing PC. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're not going to say that. So uh, I, I just think it was uh, a ballsy move, if I can use that term, yeah. by the Kentucky coaching staff. And uh, I think, it, like I said, it's it uh, it's fascinating. But I'm going to tell you, and I said this coming on, uh, I've been through this stuff, and there's going to be a lot, or there can be a lot of pressure on a local AAU coach, on a local high school coach, for a, a player there to stay at home, you know, and, yeah. and it comes from a lot of different circles. I won't go into it, but trust me, it's there. Yeah, I mean, I, I do appreciate on UK's end that they pushed that barrier and they said, dude, we, I, 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 we, we have to ask this question. You know we have to ask this question. Is there going to be an issue here? Is you know, do we need to worry about your connection to Tennessee? And you know, I thought his response, at least through through what Antoinette Huntley told me, said that that he was all about it. Said, man, I just want what's best for this kid. You know, he he was really fond of the UK program. You know, had a lot of positive things to say about it. So. On you know on the surface level things went well and UK felt good about the you know Bobby Mays thing Bobby Mays felt good about UK as far as I know so I, I, you know obviously there's still a lot more to go, that goes into it there will be a lot more that goes into it but I, I you know I'd, I would have rather it gone like that and how things did unfold than the you know the opposite where you know he wouldn't wouldn't agree to go on that phone call and said forget you my kid's going to Tennessee, whether you like it or not, you know, he could have, he could have gone a, a different direction with that, but you know, he played nicely about it. If, if, if that makes sense. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Moving on. The Jaden Springer, let me add this. Okay. The Jaden Springer connection makes me a little nervous because, um, you know, he played for Bobby Mays and, and just, you know, committed and signed with Tennessee five-star player and not from Tennessee, from North Carolina, and, you know, the whole time, Tennessee was, was kind of seen as the favorite for him. And, and you know, just to come out and, and just say it frankly, the reason was because he played AAU with Bobby Mays Elite. And that's where he ended up going. So, I mean, yeah, if you're a Kentucky fan, I think that's got to make you – whether it's whether it's true or not, I think it's got to make you nervous. Okay. 
I will still personally, I, I still don't think there's any long-term reason to, here, let me put it this way. I wouldn't trade UK's chances right now with anybody else. I, I think that's a, a very fair way to put it. I, I know how much he likes it, and I lo- know how much his mom likes it. So as of right now, I wouldn't bet against Kentucky at all, but there are some other things that, that we still need to factor in, and we'll we'll see how we'll, – we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Regarding the other big virtual visit that, that happened this past weekend, Kentucky hosted – Kennedy Chandler, 2021, number one point guard in the class on a virtual visit. I believe it was Saturday afternoon, Saturday late evening, uh, maybe Sunday. I can't remember, but I texted Kennedy right after the visit happened. Didn't get a response back, but Travis, I believe you talked to Kennedy's dad, Kylan. How you know what? How did things go? What were your, your big takeaways from that? It was just the usual, like oh, it was a good visit. Uh, nothing really new going on. Pretty much the same run of the mill visits that. There's nothing really popping for UK right now on the recruiting drill altogether, uh, and Kennedy Chandler fits into that category. Now, David, this visit with with Chandler is one of numerous public Zoom calls and virtual visits during the the COVID nineteen outbreak in particular. But then before that, UK ho- UK hosted him on uh, that unofficial to close out the season. Went to see him play numerous times. I mean, it, it's it, it's definitely apparent that UK is going all in on this kid. What do you make of this consistent c- contact? Um, you know, it, it definitely appears that things are ramping up. What does that mean to you in terms of their uh, of UK's long term goals? You know, a lot of people thought for whatever reason when Kentucky offered him early uh, or offered last Christmas right around that time. Uh, people were like, well, you know, he's not going to go to Kentucky and he's not really considering them. And, and you know, they went to see him like three times in the first month. I know they were at Nashville uh, when he played there. And, and then he takes the visit. And I'm like, you know, John Calipari's <laughs> for a guy that, that supposedly is not considering Kentucky, he's spending a lot of time with them. Yeah. And I just don't think he would waste it. And and I, I think that's the case now. It's going to be very interesting uh, to see how this goes. You know, he's spending a lot of time in Knoxville, too. He's in Memphis. Uh, and, you know, it, it, uh, living in Memphis, uh, you know, obviously the competition's there, but but uh, I, I've never been one of those people that have thought, hey, Kentucky doesn't have a chance here because, like you said, they're all in. Travis, you know, you, you've been following this recruitment pretty closely. We, we both have kind of thought Tennessee is the slight favorite right now with Duke and Kentucky kind of being 2A, 2B right now. Is, you know, are you still kind of leaning that way? Would you change your, your list of favorites as of, as of right now? Who did you say was 2B? Uh, uh, UK and and Duke being two A two B. I think that um, I think that I still think Tennessee's a leader. I still have a future cast in for them, but I do think Kentucky, like you all just alluded to, has spent a lot of time recruiting Kennedy Chandler, and you can never really count out Kyle Perry for a, a player, especially a point guard that he wants that badly. And hell, it's like Cade Cunningham was a lock to go to Oklahoma State for a while. Yeah. And Calipari put some doubt in a lot of analysts' minds. Uh, Evan Daniels even put in a uh, crystal ball for UK because that's how much pressure Calipari put on that recruitment. Yeah. And I think UK, I think UK could do the same thing with this recruitment, but I do think Tennessee as of now, and uh, yeah, like you said, um, 
um, Duke is right there with Tennessee, but or uh, Duke is right there with Kentucky behind Tennessee, but I think that uh, Tennessee's in the lead for sure. I, I think, and I think I would give Kentucky the the edge over Duke at at this point. I think I am starting to get a little bit more confident in in UK and and their their efforts and kind of establishing itself as that. You know, if he's not going to go to Tennessee, it damn sure better be us. You know, I think that's kind of where UK is 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 putting itself. I mean, you yeah, well, see, yeah. here's what I think is um, you got. Jeremy Roach that could return to Duke. Duke doesn't run two point guard systems. Uh, that's something. Whenever I've talked to Kylan, he loved uh, Kylan is uh, Kenny's dad. Uh, for those that uh, didn't hear earlier, uh, Kylan said he loves the Cal Perry what he does with multiple point guards. And Cal Perry is surely not shy to run a multiple point guard set. So if Askew returns, those and, two could coexist with each other. And that's the Askew expectation. The yeah, I yeah. mean the the, the expectation and, right now UKC is that would be our. John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, two two point guard, you know, dynamic duo together in the backcourt. I mean, that would that's well, I guess more recently it'd be what what they just did with Ashton Hagen's Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, they he's not shy about running the running multiple guards together, and they would definitely. I mean, that would be about as good as it gets. Whenever you know, getting a sophomore ask you back, and then a you know a top ten top ten level guy and and Kennedy Chandler. I mean, I think that'd be just one one heck of a backcourt right there for sure. One one thing too though it's got to be addressed and and uh, not to be a party pooper here but you know it, it's something else that makes me nervous. He's just spending a lot of time in Knoxville too. Uh, you know he's up there working out or has been. Uh, I think you said Huntley Hatfield has been there. So you know these guys you know spending as much time in Knoxville as is what they are. You know it concerns me. Do you owe Do you owe Rick Barnes lunch money or something? I feel like I'm getting a. Or I, f- I feel like you're getting getting scared of Tennessee, man. I live in Tennessee, <laughs> and I hear it yeah. constantly uh, from from friends and fans here. You know, if they if they think they can beat Kentucky out for a recruit, if if they beat Kentucky, uh, uh, trust me, if you lived here, you would be you would be paranoid <laughs> too, uh, because it's just you know it, it's it's never ending and. And uh, I'm just one of those guys. I don't care where he ends up, as long as he doesn't go there. Well, in the wise words of Calipari, that I don't even know if he's ever said this publicly, but scared money don't make money. Um, moving on yeah. to to Musa Cisse, who announced quote, quote him on that <laughs> in the unofficial quote of John Calipari. Uh, okay, um, Musa Cisse announced that he's reclassing to 2020 today. Uh, announced that his finalists were the same: Kentucky, Florida State, Georgetown, Georgia, LSU, and Memphis. With a decision coming next week, uh, Travis. You know, we we've talked a whole bunch about this behind the scenes, so you don't have to go. You know, too elaborate. But you know what? What have you heard about this decision, and and what's your gut telling you right now? I've had a future cast in for LSU for the past couple of months. Uh, I've expected him to reclass just as he did, and I've had some people ask me if UK is a legitimate option. So I I talked to somebody close to the program today at Kentucky, and they told me that pretty much that they don't see it happening, and. So I think I think it will be LSU, maybe a dark horse like Florida State. You know, Florida State has a thousand players over six foot, yeah, or over six foot six. So, but I'll say this: Sisse would be if I could add somebody to this year's roster, um, anybody in high school, he might be the top one. Bes- 
besides Paulo Bancaro because his shot blocking is real. He's up there with Anthony Davis and Nerlens Noel as elite, elite, elite shot blockers. Yeah, they say he's he's the best shot blocker in all of high school basketball, regardless regardless of class. Um, yeah, so I did a I did a post earlier on KSR. I kind of broke down the favorites. I think LSU is the perceived favorite. I think the exact quote I had was heading into the final week of his recruitment. LSU, a team in need of size and talent down low, is seen as a strong favorite. Building a strong relationship with CSA's camp and presenting the opportunity for serious playing time. It's a strong offer. One one most in recruiting circles feel he will ultimately accept when it comes time for a decision next week. Um, so yeah, I, I would put LSU at one and I've been going back and forth about that number two spot um, with Memphis kind of being seen as the public leader, public co-leader. People uh, like Memphis's chances a lot. But, man, I, I really do like like Florida State as that dark horse. I mean, they, there have been a lot of rumblings behind the scenes that they've done a, a tremendous job making up ground with him and, and have kind of been the sneaky, quiet, you know, don't be surprised if – school. I know Memphis has the connection of him being in Memphis now. Penny Hardaway saying multiple times, we're not, you know, we're going to build a, a, a wall around this city. We're never going to let these five stars leave this city, blah, blah, blah. I think that's kind of what led to the increased optimism and, and just how hard Penny Hardaway was working on this recruitment. But I don't know if he ever had, you know, strong ties to the program that made him, you know, made them a long-term favorite. I think they were a, a favorite at one point last summer, but I, I think that's faded a little bit. So the 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 public favorites right now I think are LSU and Memphis but I think if I were if I were to put money at money on it I'd actually put LSU at one Florida State at two Memphis at three and then probably Kentucky is that 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 first school out of the others list I, th- I think Kentucky's done a good job of kind of establishing itself as the secondary option but um, David are you do you have any last second input on on CSA before he makes oh actually I think you you talk to his head coach so you have a bunch to talk about. Yeah, I talked to Marvis Davis today. I'll have a story coming up in the morning, but uh, I think I can share here, you know, what he said because there was really nothing that that caught you off guard. Uh, I think if I was in his shoes and a high school coach, I would say the same thing. You know, he he says it's wide open. He uh, doesn't want to. He's not ruling anybody out. And and I mean that's what you've got to say as a coach when you're asked that. Um, I asked him if LSU, you know, is the perceived favorite, if that's the truth. And when he saw it that way, and he says he thinks they all have a shot. Uh, I also, he, he told me there's pro, they, they've sat down, there's pros and cons of each school. And I asked, give me pros for Kentucky. And I said, what about cons? And he said, well, he said, there's really not that many. He said, uh, obviously, Kentucky speaks for itself in the post uh, with what they do with post players. And, you know, I asked him, uh, uh, you know, about the perception of Kentucky and how they coach bigs, if that maybe Calipari doesn't play a big out on the floor enough. To, to, is that How do they perceive the way John Calipari presently coaches the bigs? And he said the same way I coach them. He said they rim run, he, uh, they protect the rim, they're in the ball screen game. Uh, you know, he, he he said, you know, if he went to Kentucky, you know, with the style that they play, he would already be used to it. He said, I love the way coaches can be. So very complimentary, uh, you know, but I've, I've heard behind the scenes, too, that Kentucky is not in huge consideration, just like you guys have, too. Uh, but the interesting thing to me 
and having talked about Kendy Chandler a while ago, uh, here's two big time guys that if it holds up the way we think are going to get out of Memphis uh, without going to the Tigers. And it kind of tells you how the, the stars kind of dimmed on Penny Hardaway, who was the hottest recruiter in the world a year ago. And now you, you have two five-star players who appear are going to get out of town. Man, and I'm telling you, there, I, I heard some some late rumblings over the last week or, or so about to, about watching Mike Har- Mike Miller for for those NBA jobs again. That things are starting to creep up there. That we should be you know prepared to hear his name in, in some of those um, not necessarily coaching searches, but but maybe like front office jobs and stuff like that as he kind of tries to find his his footing in, in with a, a legitimate NBA job. So man, if if by by you know some chance Mike Miller leaves this offseason and they miss out on those two guys I mean how fast could this thing unravel for for Penny Hardaway I mean that would just be you know just detrimental to his you know the the very short term foundation that he's he's set up, set up in in Memphis I mean that thing could come crumbling down faster than it even got built up so real quick David do, do you see uh, Travis? I know you mentioned Cisse being, you know, a, a big want, but at this point, do you see Cisse even being a, a, a major need at this point for Kentucky? I mean, do you, do you think that's kind of the big reason why Kentucky hasn't, you know, made a, a legitimate last-second push for him? It's all going to come down to uh, Olivier Saar, and if we're, we're going to get into the uh, Johnny Juzang part, aren't we? Yes. And the reason I ask that is because I don't want to take any thunder out of there when we start talking about guys getting waivers and guys getting granted immediate eligibility. But um, if, if SAR is eligible, then there's no need. I don't think there's any need to add to this roster. Uh, if he uh, if he isn't, <laughs> then yeah, we could say, man, we wish we could have we could have got uh, Musa Cisse. But the way things stand right now, if, if it's all going to come down to SAR, if they could get him, uh, if he's able to play, I love where this roster stands. Yeah, that, that leads us right into that decision. Today, Johnny Juzang was granted ofi- officially uh, immediate eligibility at UCLA. The NCAA announced that they, they were granting his waiver request. Uh, so he'll be able to play right away. And kind of right off the bat, everybody – automatically assumed like okay well if Johnny Juzang is getting eligible why in the world would Olivier Saar Saar not be eligible so yeah um you know first off David was that not the fastest waiver response we've we've ever seen in the history of waiver requests yeah it came quickly uh and I I hope that uh going back to what we talked about last week I'm hoping that Olivier Saar comes quickly because of that decision because I, I would love them to have some kind of answer. Uh, you know, we talked about McCore Maker holding out to the end of June, and I said last week, man, I, I hope he can find out something, me being SAR, before Maker decides what he's going to do. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, of different angles there. One other thing on the, the waivers, uh, LJ Figueroa, which is not a name Kentucky fans need to be familiar with, but at St. John's, uh, he – left today and has already been contacted by a number of schools. But the interesting thing is that I noticed yesterday there were reporters in the New York area saying that Figueroa has already been tampered with by other schools because before he ever announced, and this was a day before he announced, 
that uh, he was being tampered with with other schools saying, look, because you're in New York and the COVID outbreak there, you're going to get granted a waiver yeah. because you're out in New York City. So who knows how this whole COVID-19 thing is, is shaped up. I don't know how that impacts SAR, but it, it just it looks like so far that the NCAA is being a little bit more lenient or, or could be. Yeah, Travis, do you think that that today's decision with with Johnny Juzang helps Olivier Saar in, in his fight for for a waiver? What do you what do you think are kind of the lasting implications with that? Uh, it certainly doesn't hurt both uh, in the ruling and good karma because obviously UK was helpful with Juzang. Yeah, like they had been multiple transfers, like they were with Jamal Baker. Um, so hopefully, for Kentucky's sake, that that karma comes back around and helps them. A lot of people kind of immediately went to the, well, uh, the, the NCAA specifically in, in Rule 34B subsection 6 says that reasons for transfer with COVID-19, that's a specific reason for uh, approval of, of waivers that the NCAA was going to be extremely lenient with that and, and kind of use that as, a, a, again, to, to pour rain on, on UK's chances with, this, with SARS waiver. And I'm like... Uh, okay, but that's not kind of what we, we're not saying that it's a, it's an identical circumstance. We're saying the timing of it. They showed no, you know, long term. Okay, we got to really dive into this request. You know, we got to really figure out if this kid needs to be playing this year. They looked at it obviously in the span of just a couple of weeks and said, "All right, yeah, there's no reason that this kid can't be playing. So let's just go ahead and, and approve it." That's what people are saying. They're saying, "Okay, if they're going to be so quick to approve." Uh, approved Juzang, it might take a little bit longer because there's more going on with Olivier Sars. But at the very least, we're we're most likely gonna gonna know with with Sar here in the next. I don't know. Uh, I believe Ben Roberts put out a report that said UK already submitted the, submitted the request that the waivers in. It's being reviewed by the NCAA right now. So we, you know, it should just be a couple week process. So we we. At the very latest, we should know here, at, at, you know, in the near future, uh, which you know, it sucks that that Moose Cisse isn't announcing at that point instead of, of here soon. Um, okay, we're gonna close out with this final final topic. Dante Allen today. I got a text from from Jordan Griffin up at uh, Griffin Elite in, in Northern Kentucky. He said, "Hey man, uh, we we've been putting together this video of Dante Allen. He's been training hard. He's been working hard. Um, we want you to put this out there so so fans can can you know see how how he's been proven since his torn ACL. And I, I sent the, the link to you guys beforehand, and I want, wanted you guys to see what you thought of his improvements. You know the what he what did he look good? Did he look bad? Did he look tight? Did he look loose? You know what what were your first impressions by it? So Travis, what were your kind of first first uh, first thoughts on Dante Allen's progress? Um, honestly, I couldn't get too much from the video. I don't put too much stock into videos like that, just because I don't. I've seen too many players overhyped on stuff like that, and their comeback efforts or how good they actually are. Not questioning his uh, his talent here, but uh, just questioning that with other videos in the same sense. But I think that it it, it definitely looked good. It, I mean, look like major progress from when we saw him hobbling around last year at the beginning of the basketball season uh, during warmups. And then because you saw the progress throughout the year just during warmups and how fluid he was 
doing just little pull up jumpers. Yeah. So I think I think he's come a long way. Uh, David, did you know? Do you think he's going to be back to the you know fifty point per game? You know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to score fifty point per game. You know, points per game at, at Kentucky, but that if same he level... scores fifty a game, they don't need to add anybody else. <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. But that same level of of you know incredible score, dynamic score that we saw from him at Pendleton County as a senior to start a senior year before his injury. Do you think we're going to get that level of instant impact offense based on what you saw? I'm just, it looks to me like he's back physically. And I think that was the thing that we had to hope for, you know, right off the bat, because, you know, everything else, Kentucky's a whole different level and the level that playing in the SEC um, and, and, we knew he was going to have to work hard and just be patient to get there. But the first thing we wanted to see now, and, and we haven't really gotten to see flashes of it, was Kenny moved. I mean, is his knee completely healed? And I know back, not necessarily in the old days, but it's not been that long ago, they said that it took 18 months for an, an ACL uh, to completely heal to where you could really get back to 100% mobility. It's a lot less than that now with with the modern day techniques that they have. Uh, so, you know, he, it looks to me like he's where he is at, was at physically before he hurt his knee. And that's all you can ask for. Now you start, uh, he starts working to improve. Well, with that, we will call this part of the show, show complete. Um, Travis, where can fans find your work? You can find my work alongside David Sisk at Cat Silshirt on the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at Trav graph underscore rivals be sure to follow that new account that is made uh made that yesterday so trying to get my following back up i'd really appreciate that uh and david uh coach david sisk at twitter and cats illustrated with uh travis and you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, you can reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Uh, with that, we will be back next week for another Jam Pack Source of Say podcast. But first, here's our interview with 2022 five star guard Jaden Bradley. We are now happy to be joined by 2022 top 10 prospect and top ranked point guard Jaden Bradley. Uh, Jaden, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Uh, how, how are you hanging in there with all the stuff going on? Uh, just trying to stay safe. Uh, trying to get out and do some things without uh, getting sick and stuff. Are you, are you able to train with all this stuff going on? Do you have a place where you can where you can hoop a little bit? I do. I have a place I can hoop a little bit. Stay in shape. Now you're a you're a consensus top fifteen prospect, but you know ranked as high as number seven in the ESPN rankings. Where do you think you stand compared to some of your other peers in the class of twenty twenty two? Well, I think it's an honor just to be just be a part of the twenty two class. Just it's a great class. Uh, just to be a part of the ESPN ranking. Uh, in terms of like um, like. Where I should be, I think like the spot I'm at right now is a good spot, but I'm all, I'm just trying to get to the number one spot. Now, what separates your game? What What do you think you bring to the table as a player overall? Uh, what separates my game is I'm a pass first point guard. I like to get my teammates involved. I try to do all the little things that get 
uh, I notice sometimes, like diving on the floor, picking up a teammate, just a little stuff that goes a long way. Everybody talks about the reclass option for high-profile recruits. Uh, we just saw one a day with Musa Sissa jumping from 21 to 2020. Is that something you, uh, you've you been considering uh, jumping to 2021 or you set on 2022? Um, I talked about it with my parents. Uh, that could be an option, but right now I haven't really like looked that deeply into it. Um, we've heard that, that you're close with, with Sky Clark and, and have talked about possibly playing together at the next level. I know Kentucky in particular is, is interested in you both playing together. Uh, is that something that you, you've been talking about a little bit with, with Sky? Uh, yeah, me and Sky, we talk all the time. Like, um, I played against him at the MSH TV, uh, USA. We got a chance to play against each other, play with each other. Uh, I think he's a great point guard and it would just be, I think it would be, uh, great duo if we could possibly play together in college yeah whenever we <clears throat> talked to sky on here before jack and i actually met his family for dinner one night and the, he had a list of players that he'd like to play with and he said he, he actually named you first what about his game intrigues you how do you think you guys like how do you think you guys would play together um he's he's a very good point guard uh shoot very well defend well uh, he's just he's an unselfish guard, and I like playing with unselfish guards. So, like, it wouldn't matter who's scoring on the points. Uh, I think he's very competitive, so we'll just want to win at the end of the day. Is there anyone else you'd be interested in playing with at the next level? Um, uh, not off the top of my head right now, no. What is what is Kentucky's pitch to you in particular? What is what level of communication do they have with you? Um, right now, since I'm uh, class of 2022, they can't uh, really talk to me like on the phone or anything or text me. So they uh, get in contact through my dad. So um, I think Coach Joe Justice uh, contacts my dad like uh, weekly and just checks in on me, see how my see how I'm doing and stuff. What is what is their relationship, uh, Joel's with 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 your dad, and and you know what is what is Joel kind of pitching pitching to him, kind of through you know through him to you about about how you'd fit in at Kentucky. I have a great relationship. Uh, I think I, I've been up there one time on an unofficial visit. Uh, it was actually the blue and white scrimmage. Um, he just tell, like he came to watch one of the practices. He just tells me to get better every day, continue working on my game. Uh, like I fit their program and their system, and we hope hopes I can go, get there. Now, there was some buzz that UK was gearing up to offer you and uh, some other 2022 kids this summer. Where do you think uh, things stand there with all this stuff going on? Are you still anticipating that offer? Um, well, with everything going on, I think if, like, if we're able to get back to uh, AAU and stuff this summer, if I just keep like working on my game and continue to showcase my talent, I think that could be a possibility I'd get an offer. Now outside Kentucky, like what other schools are recruiting you the hardest and who do you think has prioritized you the most so far? Um recruitment wise, uh, I have a, um I have a lot of offers. Uh they they all have been in contact a lot. Uh, they all have me high on the board. They want me to come. Uh, it's not like any certain schools because I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, but recently, I got an offer from uh, USC, Kansas, and uh, Louisville. Those are the latest three. 
outside of basketball, uh, describe to us who Jaden Bradley is off the floor. You know, we see your highlights all the time. We all know how good you are on the court. But what, uh, you know, what are, what are you like when, when you're not playing basketball? Uh, when I'm not playing basketball, I like to hang out with my friends, my family, sit down on the couch, watch a movie. I actually uh, play the saxophone, so I do that at school, at home, when I got to practice and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Would you say that that you know you you playing the saxophone is the one thing that nobody else knows about you, or is, is there something else that uh, that fans would kind of be surprised to know that that Jaden Bradley does in his off time? Uh, I think yeah, I think playing the saxophone was probably the one thing that people really don't know that I do. So now, are you like in the school band, or you just play it on? I am. I'm in the school bands. I think we have like concerts like every. I think three times a year. So that's so cool. cool. That's so cool. Uh, We're obviously a while away. Have you thought Mm -hmm. about at all uh, when you'll make a decision down the road? Um. Yeah. I mean, we're a long time away, but hopefully, I can get sit down with my family and kind of dial it down, and hopefully, make my decision. Now, I've spoken with your dad before about. Uh, you said you took an unofficial visit to Kentucky. And he was talking about yeah. the family atmosphere and how much he loved the family atmosphere when, whenever you all were there and how everybody brought you in and with open mm-hmm. arms. Can you kind of describe what that's like behind the scenes? Uh, man, it's a, uh, it was a great feeling. Like you said, family atmosphere. Um, uh, it was just, it was unbelievable. Like even the blue and white scrimmage, like it felt like a real game. Like they weren't just like going through the motions they were competing going at going at guys trying to get each other better ready for the season and then i like what coach k does with uh, his guys he's trying to get them ready for the next level so is there is there anybody in in particular that you model your game after or who you kind of idolized growing up and and kind of said man that's that's a kind of guy that i want to be like when i when i get to the next level oh nba wise um Paul George. I looked up to Paul George growing up. Um, he was a great leader um, in Indiana, just a uh, great player. And then as soon as he got, like, when he got hurt, like, uh, nobody expected him to come back the way he did. So he came back and his, uh, like, he's a great two-way defender. I like that about him. Not a lot of people take pride in the defensive end. He just loves to compete. So, is is there a, a point guard in particular that you you kind of think that your game closely you know closely relates to, or somebody that that you know you kind of closely relate to, um, you know that you kind of model your game after in particular? Well, I heard when I was um, actually in middle school, a lot of people were comparing me to Penny Hardaway Jr. Penny Hardaway. So, some people say I play like Penny Hardaway. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't grow up watching him, so I don't really see like, yeah, the comparison there. So, is there uh, anything in particular that you think you need to work on, um, you know, to improve your game? You know, what what would you say your biggest strengths are and your biggest weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a lot of room for me to grow. I think I need to work on my game a lot, a ton. Um, just the little things like boxing out, defensive rotations, diving on loose balls and stuff like that. Um, strength of my game, uh, downhill, fast-paced point guard, pass first, 
um, can score from uh, all three levels. Uh, things I need to work on is probably just shooting it more, getting more consistent, being able to knock down open shots, uh, expanding my range, um, finishing through contact, ball handling, just, just all those things. Now I, this this is my last question. Um, we I talked to Brandon Huntley Hatfield's mom the other day, and and she kind of told me that 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 AAUs are just kind of at a standstill right now. She kind of said AAUs are a wash. Where, if, as far as you know, where do you, where do things stand with AAU, and and are you anticipating an AAU season, and and uh, who are you going to be running with if if there is one? Well, um, hopefully we're able to get back and get AAU back running. Um. And this year I will be run. I will be running with um, CP3 this year. So if that ever AU ever comes back, yeah, we play with CP3. So. Gotcha. Well, man, we we obviously appreciate you taking your time and and talking with us. We we know the Kentucky fans are going to love it and uh, look forward to to you know following your recruitment here in the next next year or two. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me.